This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. Welcome to Turning a New Leaf, where we discuss the changing face of Canada as it prepares to legalize and regulate recreational marijuana across the country. Turning a New Leaf is produced by the Village Soundcast Network, and I'm your host, Sean King. Enjoy. Today's guest is Mary Agnes Welch. Mary is a pollster with probe research in Winnipeg, Manitoba. She spends a lot of time talking to people, getting public opinions on all sorts of topics. And of course, today's topic is the legalization and regulation of marijuana. So we hear all kinds of good things, including the opinions from people on if they'd rather have a neighbor who's, who drinks or someone who's a marijuana user. And how is it that we know more about what's in marijuana than we do about what's in a hot dog? Anyway, Mary Agnes Welch coming up next. Mary Agnes Welch, uh, welcome to the show. Mary is the Thank you. pollster at Probe Research Inc. in Winnipeg, Manitoba. So a little background on who Mary is. And, 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 sorry, it's Mary Agnes, right? Is that the way I say it? That's right. Yeah, okay. Mary Agnes. So, uh, and if I get any of this wrong, you can let me know, but. Uh, Mary, uh, Mary Agnes collaborates with all kinds of clients in qualitative and quantitative public policy research. And prior to being a part of Probe, she was an award-winning political and policy reporter at the Winnipeg Free Press. With a master's degree from Columbia University and was a Southern Journalism Fellow at the University of Toronto's Massey College. Did I say that right, Southern? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you also sit on the board of West End Cultural Center and the Westminster Housing Society. She's the co-founder of Friday Fools and Urban Brew, two Winnipeg discussion groups focusing on political and urban issues. So you spend a lot of time talking to a lot of people. Is that correct? That's right. Both sort of officially for, you know, polling purposes and then kind of on background, just political gossip and speculation. So, so officially and unofficially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, that's right. <laughs> hopefully today we're having an official conversation. Um, so obviously, um, Mary Agnes, we are talking about the the upcoming legalization and regulation of marijuana across the country. The date for that is set to be July first, twenty eighteen. I think we're you know kind of waiting in anticipation to see what happens there. But um, my understanding is that you have been talking to people in Manitoba about this topic. And you've been learning all kinds of things. Is that fair to say? Yeah, for sure. And I think the interesting thing is that Man- we think of Manitoba as kind of the the Canadian average. You know, it's it's this, it's kind of this middle of the road place where um, you kind of get a good sense of what Canadians all over the place might feel. Right. And now, have you have you talked to people across the country? Or has it mostly just been in Winnipeg? Mostly in Manitoba. We've done a bit of work across the country, but it's been mostly kind of our, our best, most interesting stuff is Manitoba-based. Right. Sorry, yeah, I just said Winnipeg, but it's all it's all across the province, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. Yeah. So what are you finding out? What are you hearing from people? You know, I guess there's sort of a few things. I think there, I, I guess I was a little bit surprised when we started asking people about legalization, how kind of generally comfortable people were that this was coming. They'd kind of gotten over the hump of, oh, this is, you know, this is going to be terrible. I'm scared of it. I, you know, it's going to increase crime. I'm worried about kids. They, that, that, they, yeah, they were kind of over that. They were ready to talk about 
the nuts and bolts of it. Like, okay, what's the legal age going to be? Who's going to grow it? Hmm. Where, where are the shops going to be? All that kind of stuff. Um, so there was kind of a, just a kind of a baseline willingness and openness to do this essentially, I think it's, and then, and then all the kind of all the tricky stuff comes out of, comes out of that, I think. Now, was there a time when you were talking to people where that wasn't the case? So like, how long have you been doing these discussions, having these public opinion polls? You, you know, I think probably just in the last, really in earnest in the last, about the last year, right. and we've done it in part for media outlets here. So a lot of it is public and we've done it in a lot of sort of more private stuff as well. Um, I think probably back in the day, we might have asked a question or two about how you feel about legalization in general. But um, I think especially after the sort of the last federal election one, this was an election issue. Um, and then when Trudeau won, this, we were like, oh, crap, we really have to figure out how to do this and what people's preferences are on this. So it's really right. pretty recent, this body of research. So was there a time, what I'm trying to figure out is, I'm actually a little bit surprised to hear that people's attitudes have shifted so quickly already. I mean, any conversation that we have, you know, not necessarily on the show, but just in in general, you know, I've, I've found some people are can be fairly polarized by it. <clears throat> but was there a time when doing that when when you were doing these kind of discussions where they still were, or when you began this, was it okay? We've accepted that it's happening, and now we have questions. Yeah, it's the second one. It's we've, we've accepted this is coming. Right. We're, we're mostly okay with it in theory, but we got we got some questions about how this is going to happen in practice. Right. Um, and I think the other thing that happens, and 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 this is something we've seen maybe a bit more sort of on the qualitative anecdotal side is that people are more comfortable talking now about the fact that they mm. are users of marijuana. You know, right. we, we did some focus groups for a client and we asked, we actually recruited for the focus group a little bit through social media. And I was personally surprised and kind of, I kind of got a kick out of all of the people that I knew or friends of friends or cousins of friends who were coming out of the woodwork saying, Hey, you know, I, I wouldn't say this publicly on Twitter, but I'm going to DM you and say, I want to be part of your focus group because mm. I'm a, I'm a regular user. And I think there's been a lot of that. The stigma has maybe um, just, just started to decrease a little bit and people are a bit more open about this stuff. And then you realize like actually a lot of people do it. You know, there's a significant number of people who, who do currently or would use marijuana if, you know, if and when it becomes legal. Yeah. We, we had a, we had a guest on a while ago, actually, and and one of the things we were talking about was the, su- the supply and demand, and and how how um, how few licenses were being granted, so the license providers, and how hard it was, uh, how long it was taking for them to get the license, and now you know re- as we get closer and closer, this realization that oh my, you know, we might not be able to keep keep up with demand, and now we're hearing that licenses are being licenses are being granted so much quicker now, and I, it's just I'm I'm imagining them sitting back going, wow, we we underestimated how many people are using this product and here you are hearing, hearing that you're hearing that in your groups. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, even in Manitoba, which again, I think of as a, you know, pretty, pretty middle of the road place. We did some research for the free press that said that like a quarter of Manitobans would use pot if it was legal, you know, who, who maybe right. aren't users now, but would use it. And I have to be honest, I consider myself among those people. Right. Like I, I wouldn't necessarily do it you know, right now, because we're not cool enough to know where to get it, but if it was legal, <laughs> I would totally try it, you know? Right. So I kind of, for, so for me, in some ways, this, all this research is like, I totally see myself in this, in this research. It really re- kind of resonates with me because right. so much of our findings are things like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm that quarter, you know, I'm that right. group. So, yeah. So the, the legalization of it would encourage you to try it more, like yeah. just because it's legal. 
Yep. And I think, and, and, you know, with some regulation and a nice place to buy it. Right. Um, right, and I think that's what some of our research has, has shown that, you know, if there's, if there's, if you kind of know what you're getting and the price is reasonable and it's, it's in a nice atmosphere and that kind of thing. Um, some of our research has sort of backed that up as well. A lot of people would be more comfortable and I I get that. Yeah. It's it's funny. I never quite, thought of it that way in the sense that maybe people aren't trying it because, you know, as you said, I don't know where to get it or I, I don't want to meet somebody in an alleyway or, you know, the, the, so that side of it, that, that stoner culture side, if you will, that, that, um, w- frankly, we're trying not to talk too much about here because we're trying to mm-hmm. <clears throat> approach it probably the same way you are, you know, in your discussions, but it's funny that that's, um, would be such a deterrent yet. So many people are still so curious, you know? Yep. And I think, and that's where I think the one thing that we haven't explored enough and that still is a real question mark for me in terms of how the kind of the system is going to roll out is the edibles part of it. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I think that that also is, that's something we'd actually love to ask people more about is, okay, if, if you're, if you're, if you don't want to try it, is that because you don't really know about edibles or kind of the new forms of it? And, you know, is it because you don't want to smoke it? You know, I think that that would be that's a whole other sort of next phase of research that we ought to ought to be looking at. I think. So you haven't you haven't asked those questions yet. We haven't yet. No, we've asked really kind of um, almost like regulatory questions, like you know, um, uh, what, what should the legal age be? Should it be higher or lower than um, than the, the drinking age? Um, are, are you how are you more worried about your kid driving drunk or driving um, under the influence of marijuana? And that you know presents some quite interesting. Um, results that actually surprised me a little bit, I have to say. Oh, well, you can't um, just leave that. And, Can you talk more okay, about that? Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, people think um, about a third of Manitobans think that driving under, um, driving drunk is worse than driving um, stoned. Right. And I, I, but half of them disagree. You know, um, sort of ha- half of uh, Manitobans think it's worse to drive stoned than it is to drive drunk. Wow. And that's the part that surprised me. I assumed people would think, well, I'd way rather some stoned kid driving too slow, being really careful is better than a reckless, you know, drunk driver. And yeah. that, I, that would that'd be my instinct, but that's not how people feel. So, and that, I think that speaks to the, some of the, just the practical, okay, how's this really going to work? What, do we have a test, a roadside test? Mm-hmm. How are we going to catch people? Do people know their limits? You know, do they know when they're too stoned to drive or if they've done, uh, you know, if they've done an edible and they have a body stone and I, you know, there's all these kinds of questions about how this will work in practice that people are still a little bit worried about. Yeah. And, and are you, you mentioned earlier that you, um, that people are, seem to be more willing to talk about it. And it sounds like these discussions you're having are pretty um, intense. So, but are you having uh, trouble even recruiting people? Like if you call up someone and say this, this is what you're doing, are they, are they, do you, are you finding that they're willing to talk or what's the general feeling there? There's sort of two parts to that. So the first is recruiting for focus groups where somebody actually has to come and sit face to face with their peers, right. you know, in front of a, in front of a, you know, like a, a two-way mirror, knowing that there's people on the other side. We've done a series of focus groups on, on marijuana and we had, very little trouble recruiting people, to be honest. Um, and I've, as, I, because we did this a little bit publicly, everybody always asks me, well, how did those go? And the truth is, is they were some of the most fun, revealing focus groups I think I've ever been part of. Um, really? They were really, really interesting. Um, and we didn't have a lot of trouble recruiting for those. But then the sort of the, the second side of that is when you're doing a phone survey, it's an anonymous 
you know, data-based phone survey. Right. And the question always is, are people going to be honest? Well, if you ask them, are you a user? Do you use once a week? Do you try, you know, what was the last time you used? Um, like, are people going to be honest about that? And I think we've found that generally people kind of are. We've asked in a whole bunch of different surveys, we've asked kind of that basic question over and over again, um, just so we can do some cross-tabbing, some fancy kind of polling math. Right. Um, but, but, and we find that the people, we, we think we're getting kind of the same results. So we think people actually are pretty honest about, hmm. you know, about their uh, sort of, if they're a frequent user or, or I've never tried it or did it 20 years ago, you know. Yeah. So, and that's kind of what I mean. I think it's kind of refreshing that, that to see that change. And are you finding that people, <clears throat> I'm assuming that you, when you do these groups that you're, well, I, maybe I shouldn't assume this, that you'd have a group of people who aren't users a group of people who are and maybe everything in between. Would, is that a fair statement to make? Sometimes, although I think in, in the last couple of cases, we've had frequent and occasional users and because we actually just wanted to talk to, you know, people who, who do use marijuana pretty regularly. So we had kind of kind of those two groups, the frequent and the occasional. And so are there, are, there, are there any differences between the way they respond to these questions or what their fears and questions are related to regulation? Not really, to be honest. Um, you know, and I think the things we were asking those folks, um, I mean, and I think there's also a difference between what people who actually use marijuana, pre- you know, pretty regularly, what they think and want versus what the general public thinks and wants. Right. You know, the gen- I mean, the general public is like, they are, they're more worried about driving. They're more worried about, um, I think and we have some research that we've done locally that says publicly, we sort of released it publicly for a client that says that most, the, the general population of Manitobans would be fine if um, marijuana was sold in like private Manitoba liquor, you know, stores. Maybe right. not liquor marts, maybe a different kind, but run by the government. That is uh, not quite what users prefer generally, we found. Oh, yeah. They want kind of private standalone dispensary style um, shop. So that's one unique, and that's, to be honest, that's the way Manitoba is going. They're, they're kind of, they're, they're siding with the users. Um, in that case, they're, that's the sort of the, the, the model they're going with is private, um, private stores. So, um, and I think in the, just in the next little while, we're going to be talking to people about, well, okay, if there's going to be private stores, how would you feel if you had one in your neighborhood? Just like we have 1 million liquor marts in Manitoba everywhere. Right. Um, how would you feel if you, about that? So, so, um, yeah, so I think, I think there's, yeah, there's a sort of a difference between what the gen pop wants and what users want. So that's, it's kind of a, a difficult thing. What do you think's driving that? It seems like users want private stores and the non-users or less frequent users would rather have, have it be a, a different type of store. What do you know what the rationalization for that would be? I think, yeah, I think it's a couple of things. I think my hunch is that, um, users have just spent a lot of time talk, thinking and talking about this. And they've looked at what BC has, what Colorado has, kind of that, that private dispensary model. And that's become the, the kind of the, the wish of, the, of that group. Right, yeah. um, <clears throat> and they've got it, they've, got, they've thought about it, they've got it clear in their head, they can see what the store looks like. Whereas folks like me and the general population who kind of haven't given this a ton of thought, the default in Manitoba, where frankly liquor marts are pretty popular, well run, good staff. You know, they're they're generally well liked. The default is, oh yeah, gee, just like just like just like a liquor mart, just like yeah, a, right. a pot mart. You know, you know, 
it's a bit of a, probably a bit of a knee-jerk a thought, mark. I think. That's not a phrase pot I've mark. ever yep. heard before. <laughs> yeah, pro- probably, I'm probably not worth branding, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. I have, um, I mean, part of me wonders if, if the more frequent users would like it the way that it is because that's all they know. Versus like, hey, a new way could be completely, you know, maybe a new way is better. Or, or I mean, it could be worse. Who, who knows? I, I, I had a I had a conversation with someone quite a while back, right around the time that uh, Trudeau was talking about, you know, his plan to make this legal. And this guy was violently against it. And and mm. when I dug in on that, he, he said, you know, the problem with it is they're going to put all these regulations and rules around it. And right now, as for this guy, you know, he said, I can go outside, I can smoke a joint, I can do whatever I want, because, which is kind of ironic because it's illegal, yet somehow he's allowed to walk down the street and smoke a joint if that's what he wanted to do. Yet, when it becomes legal and regulated, he won't be able to do that anymore. And yeah. so, so he saw the, the idea of regulation and legalization as a more limiting way of allowing people to do it, yet non-users like I mean even you were saying I well if it's legal I would try it so are you hearing any of that not you know that's sort of the one area sort of maybe indirectly so I think about the smoking ban we're having a huge debate in in uh, Winnipeg right now but whether to have a a patio smoking ban at restaurants and I think for for most of us are just used to being out on a patio and smelling you know, right. marijuana and thinking that's just shrugging that off because who cares? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that's sort of one of those practical, oh, well, actually now that's going to be regulated and you won't be able to do that, you know? Right. And even sort of, you know, I think the issue of, of we asked, of, you know, for, for uh, CTV here, actually, the CTV affiliate here, um, for them, we asked, how would you feel if you were like an Earl's or a Moxie's and they sold edibles? And you could right. have you could have an edible instead of a glass of wine, and people were really split on that idea because mm. I think there's still not quite this recognition that it's it's like it's, it's it should be really just be like alcohol, you know, wherever you can have a drink, yeah. you should be able to have, you know, you know, an edible perhaps, um, but you can do that now and nobody would know, right? You know, you, might, you know, so so if it gets regulated, then they have to they have to have. Like not like a liquor license, but they have to have a pot license. Like yeah. it does become quite a convoluted system. Whereas I can see, you know, I can see people just being. Right now, it's a bit of a free for all. I think so. I, I can see where there's some reticence to have all those, you know, various regulations. Because God knows, booze is regulated up the wazoo in this country. Yeah, right. And is that, you know, are we are we heading down that road with with cannabis? Yeah, you know, it's <clears throat> it's interesting because the the stigma around it and what it is or what it isn't is still I think a large part of that driving factor. I mean, if if well, I think so anyway. If if you could go into a restaurant and instead of having a glass of wine, you can order a a certain dosage of a brownie or something. Mm-hmm. It starts to sort of change the way you look at the product and and it's and it's intentional use. You know what I mean? At least it does for me. Yeah. And you could start choosing it the way you might choose a wine. Like I want this wine because I know it has that effect on me. Um, you know, uh, maybe I'll choose my edible that way or like like who knows. I mean, we it could get there. Oh, I I I think it probably will get there, yeah. you know, at some point. I think it's going to take time for people people to kind of get their head around that but yeah. you know but but the users they're like their way like that is you know they want the, the bakery they want the cafe they want that quickly yeah, um right. having said that i think a lot of users are, are are also pretty 
open to be like, okay, we'll take anything. Like, we're just so glad this is getting legalized. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're not going to be too nitpicky on the hows and the whens and the whos. We just think it's great that we're taking this, you know, pretty big leap forward, you know, in public policy. Yeah. I I definitely think the more familiar you are uh, with the product, whether you're, you're a user or not, the more open you are to what the potential is. That's the sense that I'm getting when I talk to people. You know, yep. for, versus someone who maybe is not that familiar with it and 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 is having a hard time with the idea that you can even put it into food and 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 ingest it that way. Um, well, and also I think also the like age. We I I think of marijuana as being a young person's drug substance, uh, yeah. but I think we we do see a lot of older people, my parents' age, using it for. For medicinal, for, you know, for cancer, for insomnia, yeah. for depression, for anxiety. And that was also something that really came out a lot in, in our research is that people, this wasn't just like get high with your buds on the weekend, yeah. no pun intended. This was like a purposeful thing that people used for for their own personal reasons that were a lot of times, you know, uh, health, health-related reasons. Yeah, and right. I think that's gaining some currency, you know? Yeah, and we uh, now have you had groups where you uh, where you talk to people? What would what age would your parents be? Sixty uh, five, like aging hippies, you know, like yeah. the early baby boomers, sixty five, seventy. Yeah, yeah. And have you had groups with that demographic and and got their take yep. on things? Not just with that, but there were those ages of people in in the groups, and certainly in the sort of telephone research. Um, and and it, it, I think that's maybe one thing that 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 struck me is this crosses all lines. Like you can't just say this right. is predominantly a middle-aged thing. I think there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of variation in age and, and education, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny when you talk about um, uh, people taking it at that age for whatever, whatever medicinal reason, you know, in the, in the stereotype, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the stigma, the perception of the stigma. You had mentioned early on that, uh, it seems like it's changing and th- that surprised me because I, I still feel like that stigma and I suppose it would depend on who you're talking to, but that stigma is still very much alive yet you're, you seem to find that people are sort of more open to it now. Is And is that the case in all the age demographics? Gen- well, young people are much more open to it, mm-hmm. um, but sort of overall, you know, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag is kind of a stupid phrase, but um, we asked a lot of these like sort of public acceptance style questions uh, a few months ago. Uh, and for example, we asked people, you know, would it bother you more to know your neighbor was a regular marijuana user or a regular alcohol drinker? Mm. And people said that they would be more worried if their neighbor was a regular alcohol drinker. Um, so so it, was, it was still out like by a, quite a big margin. The flip side to that is we also asked them, um, uh, I, like, I'd, be, I'd be more worried if my son or my daughter smoked marijuana at a party instead of had, you know, instead of drinking booze. Um, and in some ways, the sort of the flip was, was, was true. People, parents are still more comfortable that their kid gets drunk at a party yeah. than, than smokes dope, you know. And so, so how do you, like, how do you square that? I'm cool yeah. with my neighbor, but I want my kid to do it, you know. So, yeah. So and I, I wonder what's driving just, I mean, that. Like, I wonder what drives yeah. that as a, so I'd rather my neighbor not be rambunctious and party and be loud. Yep. But yep. I don't want my kids to experiment with that. I'd rather they get wasted and get the shit kicked out of a man. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. Yeah. That's almost how I see it. Exactly. Get into fights. And, I know. 
and and I think I know I think there certainly users feel that like man if everybody just stopped drinking and you know smoked marijuana we'd be so much more there'd be less domestic violence be so much mm. more peaceful fewer bar fights you know um and but I'm not sure that kind of sort of that ethos has kind of seeped into the mainstream just yet. And also, I think it's also when it comes to your kid, you know, you don't want them doing anything, you know, so if yeah, you're yeah. forced to choose between booze and, and smoking pot, you're probably going to go with booze because that's what you're most familiar with. And you, that's what you did more as a kid. Yeah. You know, and, that might be also that play. And I wonder how but, much yeah. of that is because it's also socially more acceptable. At least we think it is, Yep. you know, so yep. I don't want, I don't want to tell you that my kids smoke and pot, but yeah, they have, a beer or a bottle of vodka or whatever, whatever they, they had. Cause every yeah. kid does that. Yeah. You know? It's kind of like a rite of passage versus, Oh, something maybe that has long-term effects and will make them, you know, less ambitious. And, you know, maybe some of those, those yeah. tropes about, you know, about cannabis. So, yeah. And I guess, I mean, we're, you know, we're continuing to hear about, well, st- I used the word study loosely. I mean, I know there's stuff being done, but there's, I guess, varying degrees of confidence in the way studies are being done. But, you know, mm-hmm. now starting to marry uh, longer term effects and, and mental health issues with, you know, over usage at younger ages and that sort of thing. And uh, yet at the same time, we talk about how, well, there's no, you know, there's no harmful side effects and, and it's okay to have, you know, just drink your alcohol. It's no big deal. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. Okay. I had a conversation um, with someone a while back who who used to take a lot of um, take a lot of payment, like Advil. You know, to the Advil for pain to the point that you know their liver was starting to um, fight it, and their tongue was, was drying out because they were taking so much Advil for this pain. Ooh. And there was a discussion about, well, why don't you try taking taking a, a a medicinal marijuana, uh, you know, capsule or something, or take an oil or try to try that. And, um, you know, you certainly won't get that effect. Um, and, and they were struggling to get their head wrapped around that that would be okay, but just chew Advil like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. You know, um, or, or, or drink, yeah. we were talking here earlier about, about, uh, about pop, you know, and the idea that if you want to oh, regulate something, yeah. why don't you regulate pop or something that, yeah. you know, like the sugar cubes you're eating every day. <laughs> like, well, see, and that's interesting because I, I do wonder if. That kind of makes me think of uh, we're all into, into sort of natural remedies and you know and ginger and going to the Vita Health and buying all mm-hmm. these natural things. I wonder if if some of our increased comfort with marijuana is the fact that like okay yeah it is it, yeah it isn't Advil it isn't a pharmaceutical you know it's 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 a quote unquote natural product and that you know that that we're, we're all open to that a lot these days. I wonder if that's part of it. Well, you know? I, it's funny. I, I think it, I think there's personally, I think there's two things going on. I think that those that will, will willingly and quickly try it, um, you know, aside from whatever chemical drug you can buy at the drugstore, uh, probably already have some comfort level with the product already, whether that's their own mm-hmm. use or those around them or whatever the case might be. I think the other thing that's happening and probably creating some of that comfort level is just the amount of conversation around it all now. I mean, there Mm. isn't a day, you know, you can get through a day. You can't get through a day now without hearing it on the radio or seeing it on the news or reading the paper or having a conversation with someone at work. Like, it's just, this is about to happen. (laughs) We have to. So now I was watching something uh, actually a while ago. I saw there was a special here in in Halifax on TV and um, they had uh, a panel of people. And one of the guys, one of the panelists was a psychologist. And, um, you know, his take was that 
was that this can only help. So the question was something around whether or not the legalization was going to be a good thing for people and if it was more or less safe or risky. And his take was, well, it's definitely going to be helpful because it's forcing us to talk about it, right? It's forcing yeah. us to make decisions and create regulations and, and processes for handling it and that frankly should have been here a long time ago, but we were choosing to yeah. ignore and hoping it would go away. And do research, like do actual yeah. research on this. Yeah, like like health, scientific health research, you know, which we yeah. don't have enough of, you know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Have these, how, yeah. I get the feeling that, that these groups, like how much are you learning, like personally, you go to these oh. groups, yeah, that must oh be God. fascinating. Tons, tons. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, tons. I felt, especially after the, the sort of the focus groups, I felt like, wow, I didn't, I learned so much from the people and, you know, people are generally quite forthcoming and they, they want to share their knowledge and tell you what they know. Um, I learned so much about it, but I think I've also just in conversations with sort of the kind of the, the policy folks in the Manitoba government. Um, I had a hot dog the other day uh, in summer um, with kind of the main guy who was handling the policy for the, for the province right. and over like the space of a hot dog, he told me all the things that, are still unknowns about this process. Yeah. You know, the where we're, are we going to have enough supply? Will it be medical grade? Is that going to what's the cost? What's the revenue? Like all these things. So I think even I am a bit, well, maybe a little bit worried that, yeah. and it's our own premier here in Manitoba that says we're not we're not ready to do this by July first. I think we're going to have to, but we're not ready. Yeah, I, it is a complicated policy issue. Oh, I think, I, and there are a lot of unknowns still. I can't even imagine yet. We'll woof down a hot dog and we have no clue what's in that. <laughs> good point. Very good point. It's probably way worse for you. Too, yeah, really. yeah. Yeah, I know. yeah. So the, I, know. The, um, I, I, mean, I think I'm a little bit familiar with the plan in, in Manitoba, but it is going to be run, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries Corporation is going to be, is, will secure and track the supply, but the private sector are going to be the ones that will operate the, real, the retail spaces. Is that right? Right. That's my understanding. Yeah. And we just announced today that the legal aid will, will be 19. Oh, that um, happened today. Which, yeah, today. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also kind of, you know, I think oddly enough, most people in some of our sort of surveys um, say they, they actually do want a, a higher age than the age to buy booze. So 21, 19, whatever, mm. you know, the legal age to buy booze here is 18. So people do support a higher, right. uh, but that even itself, that brings up all kind of, you know, side issues. Like our kids just going to get their buddy to go into the dispensaries like that, you know, just like yeah. we did when we were kids buying booze, you know? So, yeah. Oh yeah. Kid, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kids will find a way. They always do. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So what's the general response been to that a distribution plan in the province? Has it been received well or? You know, it's, it, it's, it's a funny thing. It, I, I don't think there's, um, uh, there's sort of not much, uh, you know, outcry or concern from sort of marijuana activists or, or users. What it, what it has kind of come down to is a, a public sector union issue. It's the public sector unions who have unionized staff in the, the liquor marts, the government run liquor stores who say, hey, we, we want this work as well. They should be a publicly run, entirely publicly run system, including the retail outlets. Oh. Um, you know, creates good, good unionized jobs from all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, sort of universal access supply, you know, good, good kind of consistency of serve, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so it's become more of a public, private, public versus private sector issue rather than a, you know, than, and, and for me, I don't know, that kind of, for me, that kind of 
exemplifies at least in Manitoba this issue. Like I think about this could be totally the wrong comparison, but I think about the gay marriage um, uh, sort of uh, issue where people actually hit the streets. There were protests against gay yeah. marriage. Mm-hmm. Like there has been nothing like that against pot legalization. Yeah. Everybody's just kind of like, yeah, okay, cool. But how, tell me how I'm, I'm worried about how, but I'm cool yeah. with it in general. And that's, that's like, sure. There's a stigma that still exists and people are worried, but there hasn't been anything like this kind of polarized, hell no, bad idea, totally at odds with my values. Canada's right. going to hell feeling, you know, mm-hmm. at least what I've seen. Like, have you seen that in kind of your neck of the woods? Like, on well, coast or like, I wouldn't say on a, any sort of large scale, at least not in my experience. I mean, you know, as I'm thinking about it now, there there haven't been many people I've spoken to that have been violently against it in any way. I mean, there's a lot of questions, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of parents that are concerned about what happens with their kids. But, you know, it, it's funny what people in in my experience just seem to be very curious. It's part of what mandated mm-hmm. us to start doing this, this, this podcast was just talk to people about it and get all the perspectives. And it's funny. I mean, my own perspective has changed and sometimes does even based on the conversation we're having. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I could sit and talk to somebody about, um, you know, the long-term mental impacts of it. And, and you know, I kind of get quiet and it concerns me a little more. And then I talk to someone else mm-hmm. who's, you know, part of a licensed producer and the business uh, potential and the economic potential. And you go, oh, yeah, that's going to be good too. But I, but I mm-hmm. suppose that's true of anything, right? I, I mean, if it was alcohol, I would have the same opposing opinions, you know. Alcoholics are no fun to be around. Um you know, and all the implications of that, and, and, and I'm not joking. We were talking earlier about about all the food, like 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 things like soda and and stuff that we know is horrible for us. Yeah. Um. Yet, no big deal. You know. Um, yep. So, I, you know, I, I'm very curious about where it's all going to settle and how it how it's going to impact uh, things going forward. But the conversations themselves are so interesting, you know, and everyone's got a a perspective, but generally I find people are just curious. They want to, they want to know more. Yep. I think that's a, that's a, yeah, I think that's an accurate assessment. And I think it's, it is a little bit hard to imagine what, what's this going to be like in three years? Yeah. Like what, where, where, like, okay, is that 7-Eleven on my corner going to turn into a dispensary? Am I going to, am I going to, is it going to be much more acceptable parties? Is there going to be a huge tax windfall that means that my healthcare gets, I don't know. Like what it it is a bit, it is so new that it's hard to imagine what, how is my day to day life Mm -hmm. in my city going to change, you know, because of this. And are you, my granny, you know, sorry, go go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, like, is it going to be easier for my granny who has, you know, what, what, what's the eye thing? Uh, um, where, where you're like, you know, where you have corneal damage and oh. you often people, you know, take, yeah, smoke marijuana for that. Like, is, like, is it going to be easier for older people to get, you know, access to that stuff without having to go through the rigmarole, you know, of a, of a doctor's note, you know, yeah, is it going to yeah. be covered by healthcare? Like, can you imagine the day when it's covered by yeah. You know, healthcare. I, I can imagine that day. We just read a story. You know? uh, I read something yesterday about uh, Shoppers Drug Mart has solidified yeah. a deal with someone to supply them. So I mean, yeah, that's that's happening. <laughs> I, don't, yep. I don't know what that's going to look like. And I mean, I think in the story that I read yesterday, it was it it said um, you won't be able to walk in the store and get it. You'll still have to order it online. Um, mm, which exactly, which yeah. confused me a little bit because to me, the benefit of a shoppers having it would be 
the shoppers like going to the store. But but again, we'll you know we'll see how things shape up. I would imagine that after the first, like I'm actually very curious to have this conversation a year after it starts. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, what happened yeah. now? What do people think? You know, have we yeah. made any good decisions or bad ones? And yeah, and do we have the supply? Like that is the one thing that yeah. I, you know, I I don't have my head around yet, and I think is a looming issue is. On July 1st, is there going to be enough yeah. do we, for, to meet the demand, you know, and uh, how, and who, where is it, where, where is it being grown? I, yeah. are, are, is everybody ramping up? I don't see all the farms or the facilities ramping up just yet. Cause I think there's yeah. a lot of uncertainty, Yeah. but I mean, uh, yeah. What like, yeah, that's, that's kind of my, like, I, I, I know what people think about this. I don't know what sort of seven steps behind the scenes kind of thing behind the sort of the, you know, the public perception of this, like how, yeah. yeah. How, how are we, how are we getting ready for this? Yeah. Well, I, I got a feeling there's a lot of people behind, uh, somewhere doing that and, and, and probably <laughs> doing it frantically. Um, <laughs> I, I think it, we think it's a long way away, but we're less, well, what are we, six months away, seven months yeah. away. And I mean, that's not a long time. Um, no. So if you had any advice based on all the stuff you're hearing when you speak to people in Manitoba, any advice for any other province in the country? Well, would you have any? And if so, what would it be? Hmm, you know, it's funny. The, the uh, you know, I my advice actually would be to the government of Manitoba and probably to a lot of Western sort of the prairie provinces, Saskatchewan. I don't think whatever they're even more conservative than we are in Manitoba. But I like I I do think the one thing we're not really talking about yet is the economic impact. Right. Um, that, uh, you know, a, a, a province that grows stuff could, you know, that this could have on a, on a province like Manitoba where mm-hmm. we, yeah, we know how to grow stuff. Um, we're still talking about the, where's going to be sold, what's the legal age, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff that the, the sort of the nitty gritty stuff without saying, Hey, actually, this is a huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially for a country that where NAFTA is not looking so great and manufacturing's on the decline and, this is a big opportunity, um, you know. I think that we're not quite. Ta- we're, it's almost like we're shy to talk about it. You know, we're, we, yeah. we have to focus on public safety and public health regulation yeah. instead of saying the flip side to that is, man, this could be a huge export for us, and yeah. we could be, yeah. And we're not really talking about that. I don't think just yet. New Brunswick seems to be. I mean, again, you know, I'm not trolling the news wires all day and all the time, but which only exemplifies my point. But New, we seem to be hearing a little bit about New Brunswick here. Yeah, who has you know that's the, true, the, you're the, right. the government's backed the businesses; they're making it happen. They're letting you know they're really digging in on it. Um, yep. So they seem to have a, a sense of what the economical impact would be, which is is probably good. Um, you know, I think that my guess would be if they're so vocal about backing it, they're off, they're going to have to be real careful about how they regulate it as well. But I guess, again, mm-hmm. it all remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And, and even just, uh, you're right. And when you, you sort of jog my memory, even like New Brunswick's messaging, mm-hmm. sort of their public talking points has been just sort of just tilted towards, Hey, this is kind of good news for us. Yeah. You know, instead of, Holy crap! We have to. We're scared. We're, we got to. You know. Yeah. The, you know. The, we're nervous about this. You know. So I think that's yeah, definitely true. I also get the sense that each province is each province is waiting to see what the other province is going to do, and then they're going to sort of yep. evaluate that and go back to a meeting and you know rethink what they were thinking they would do. Like I mean, who knows? We uh, we've yet to hear what what Nova Scotia is going to do. So we'll see. Yeah, and I think everybody was eyeing Ontario. Like when Ontario said that it was going to be fully public. 
Yeah. You know, I think that that maybe put the I think I, I kept reading that that put the chill on some growers and and sort of distributors, mm-hmm. and I couldn't quite understand how that worked. And yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. It's complicated. And meanwhile, we can't even sell booze like province to province, you know? Like, yeah. it's kind of like, I'm like, maybe we got to fix that one and then figure out, you know, how to do pot. So, yeah. 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 Well, Mary Agnes, thank you very much. It was it was uh, very uh, entertaining and interesting. And, uh, you know, I'd love to be a fly in one of those walls sometime when you're chatting with folks. But I uh, appreciate your time and your perspective. And who knows, maybe we'll follow up with you when uh, when things get real and see how people are doing. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Yeah, my pleasure talking to you. Okay, thanks again. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. So that was Mary Agnes Welsh from uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed talking to her. I feel like she's as curious about this subject as I and perhaps most of you are. Uh, I love the fact that she's just talking to people and getting opinions, kind of like what we're doing here on the show. Um, you know, the biggest surprise, I think, for me, there were two things that she said that really kind of kind of stuck with me. The, the first one was that this, this idea that people are generally more comfortable with the idea than we thought. And, and that was a bit of a surprise. I mean, just based on the circle of, of conversations that I've been having, you know, you seem to have people that are very comfortable with the idea or, you know, violently opposed. So this was a bit of a surprise to me. And then the other thing that really stuck out for me in this conversation was when she asked the question about your neighbors. Would you rather have a neighbor that was a frequent user of alcohol or someone that was a frequent user of marijuana? And her, if you recall, her, the answer from most, the majority of people that she spoke to that was that they'd rather have a neighbor who regularly used marijuana. Yet when it came to their kids, they would rather that their kids drank at a party versus used marijuana. And I'm not really sure what to make of that. Um, part of me wonders if it's, you know, I think we know as a society the the um, the down, ups and downsides of of being a marijuana smoker or an alcohol drinker. Yet I think that that answer may have been fueled somewhat by the idea that it, that smoking marijuana is still not socially acceptable. So maybe it's easier as a parent, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's easier as a parent to admit that your child was drinking over the weekend than it is to say that they were smoking marijuana. You know, I think we grow up as parents expecting at some point that our kids are going to do that. They're going to go to a party. They're going to drink alcohol. That's going to happen. And it's kind of a widely accepted idea. Perhaps not so much with marijuana, yet I think we all know it's it's happening to a larger degree than maybe we're ready to admit. You know, she got me thinking, um, what's it going to be like in three years? We're sitting here talking about these general opinions from people when it's about to be legalized. Yet, three years from now, there are going to be people that will grow up in a society that have never known it in any other way. You know, are you going to be able to walk into a shopper's drug mart and buy it? Are you going to be able to go to a restaurant and order an edible rather than a glass of wine to get whatever fix it is or whatever desired effect you're looking for? This is all very possible. And in fact, I think I might go back to Mary after a couple of years and have a chat with her once we find out, uh, after it's been legal, and find out what people's attitudes towards towards it are at that point. So I want to thank Mary for being a guest today. She was fantastic to talk to. So stay tuned in a couple of weeks for our next episode where we talk to someone who's been dealing with legal ma- recreational marijuana use for almost three years now. Trent Wallavec will be joining us from TGS in Colorado, and uh, he'll be giving us all sorts of insights and perhaps a look into the future, what it might be like in a, in a few years for Canada. You're listening to Turning a New Leaf, which is produced, of course, by the Village Soundcast Network, and I'm your host, Sean King. 
This was a Village Soundcast Network original production.